0: Being on your hands, chewing on black licorice, wearing shark teeth necklaces, and chasing after fire trucks. Baseball players are weird. Here's some oddballs. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. Baseball oddballs are something that we've talked before before about in the past, but... Given that such a long game with such a colorful history, we, we've got to come to find out we didn't even scratch the surface.
1: Yeah, there, and, and I was trying to find guys in today's baseball that that have the oddities. It seems like it's something that, that years ago, it seems odd to us because it was such a long time ago and what they did seemed weird. The,
0: and there was so much more novelty to it.
1: Right, right. So uh, you know, we had we had players like, and and I was almost afraid to bring this guy up because what I remember about him, his name is Jimmy Pearsall. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Piersall um, was a good major league player, um, but he also had some uh, bipolar disorder. He had uh, definite, you know, issues that transcended his play onto the field and in the locker room. Um, and he, you know, he he was so. Uh, you know, unable to do things uh, early in his career, he wrote a book and they made a movie about it called fear strikes out while he was a player. That's
0: gotta be Anthony
1: Perkins. Played him. Man, that's a good- psycho Anthony Perkins, right? Played Jimmy Pearsall, um, and and so Jimmy Pearsall would would just do things that you know people did not understand. In fact, that he didn't understand. I remember when uh, reading about him as a Met. He, so he finished his career with the Mets, mm-hmm. and he hit his hundredth home career home run with the Mets. Uh, he was playing for Casey Stengel at that time. Mm-hmm. He ran around the bases backwards. So can you imagine a guy hits a home and he turns around and runs backwards all around all. And everybody's just kind of watching this guy. Right, like, like, what is he doing? You know, and, and, and he's, he basically, he sort of leaned into it after a while going, well, I was kind of an older player with not much going for me. And, you know, I Make had brand, I, I had, yeah, that kind of was his brand. um And, you know, so he would, he would, he got suspended. He, he, a number of times he, he was uh, caught in, uh, you know, situations, you know, with Babe Ruth that, you know, he, people didn't want to talk about um i i i just felt that this is a guy who because they made the movie about him um and he wasn't like this great baseball player he was just a good baseball player right so
0: it's kind of interesting why he like but but because he was so quirky and interesting
1: People paid attention to him, right, right, and and he, you know, he didn't really have, you know, he was trying to keep people were trying to keep jobs today, and and I wonder if some of what he was doing, uh, you know, battling, you know, mental illness, you know, was also leaning into it at times because he wanted to make sure that he had a job.
0: True, yeah, and 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 I think there's so many guys like like obviously Jimmy pearsall is 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 a bit of an unusual case given that he was actually struggling with diagnosed and undiagnosed mental problems, but baseball players are also just weird because they they believe in so many superstitions. Obviously, Moises Alou used to pee on his hands to make them tougher. To toughen him up, right? And then you have a guy like Turk Wendell, who would always go out to pitch with a piece of, with not just one piece of blackeret licorice in his mouth, but four. So did, you, did you
1: ever see? You didn't see Turk? I did pitch. see him pitch because he pitched for the Mets for so, a little. So he, bit. Had, he, he had, had the shark teeth necklace around his. No, it was. It wasn't just shark teeth. The barely was hundreds of different animals on this <coughs> necklace. It
0: was just animal teeth all around his neck that he would wear out. He wore number ninety nine. He. Signed a contract for nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars and nine hundred. Like it was like
1: 99 ninety nine cents. Like why was it that specific? And he would he was so superstitious that he would jump over the foul line as he came off the field. Uh, and, and and you know he was and and the other thing I remember as a pitcher Turk Wendell and this is not an oddball thing, I don't think he threw another pitch but a slider, every. Single time. Everybody knew he was going to throw a slider. He knew he was going to throw a slider. The batting guy. And he was still effective. Like Mariano's cutter. He was a very effective relief pitcher on some very good Met teams. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Turk Wendell. you know, I I remember him well. And he's still out there doing interviews now. Uh, I heard him recently. And he's like, you know, well, they get paid a lot of money, a lot more money than I did. (laughs) So, um, and how about um, a a guy that, you know, you've heard about and was was part of the Gas House Gang teams, uh, Jay Hanna, Dizzy Dean. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Jay had a Dizzy Dean. I'm like, oh, as soon as
0: they say Dizzy Dean, I'm like, I know who that is.
1: So Dizzy Dean it was the last uh, National League pitcher to win 30 games in a season. Wow. So, we know, we know Denny McLean won 31 in 1968, um, but he started as a 19 year old. Uh, and, and, and the way that he got his name, I, so here's a story I read. I, I don't even know if I, I can even believe some of this stuff. So, as he took to the box when he's 19, in, in the pitcher's box, they called him, they, he was proceeded to be called a dizzy kid for the rest of the game. Knock the dizzy kid out of the box, is what they were saying. So, because he was 19. And somehow the moniker stuck. And so that he became. right. So
0: I guess we would trying to say like, oh, he's like he, he's in over his head. He's a kid pitching in the major leagues. not out the dizzy kid because he's
1: everything's making him swirl around or something. But on that team, they had Dazzy Vance and Ducky Medwick. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Dizzy, Dazzy, Dazzy, Dazzy and Ducky. I mean, are you serious? So and um his brother, Paul, was a teammate of his. Didn't they throw back like. No, no. So the story goes that uh, Dizzy pitches the first game of a doubleheader, uh, and he throws a one hitter. Yep. Okay, and then Paul goes out and pitches the second game of the doubleheader uh, and pitches a no hitter. And then after the game, he goes, oh, "God, if I'd have known Paul was going to throw a no hitter, I'd have thrown one too." <laughs> so, and and he had this, you know, he was from Tennessee, and I, he played into the homespun, you know. Backwoods kind of a guy and with his aphorisms and, you know, um, he he was an announcer uh, later in his career and he came up with the idea that the player had had slid into third base. So he came up with a past participle of slid and turned it into slid. And I think he's also the guy that came up with the and the men and the players are going out there. They're respectable positions. You know, like, the you know, respective positions, but he said it kind of wrong. Respectable They're, they're
0: it's respectable. Like, as opposed, like they're doing something else out there.
1: So, uh, and he, he, okay, so here's a story. In 1937, he bet he could strike out uh, Joe DiMaggio's brother, Vince, four times in the game. He struck him out the first three at-bats, but when DiMaggio hit a pop-up behind the plate in the fourth, Dean screamed at his catcher, drop it, drop it. So the catcher did, and then he fanned DiMaggio <laughs> on the next pitch. Few in the press now doubted his boast as he was fond of saying, if you done it, it ain't bragging. <laughs>
0: I think it's interesting because you have a guy <laughs> like Dizzy Dean who was kind of playing into that whole like country persona. But then you have a guy who was another fellow Hall of Famer in Rube Waddle who was just a hundred percent that guy. This guy was Bonkers. Bonkers. He was a volunteer firefighter in his part time. And he was so. When you were like carrying pails of water. He, he was so obsessed with fire trucks. There were reports of him literally just leaving the game to go look at fire trucks that were passing by. He, there are stories of him leaving the game to go fishing in the middle of it because he wanted to go fish. I just think it's so interesting because, you know, there was discovered at one point during an off season, he was wrestling alligators. <laughs> Like, think about that. Think about if a, like, we were freaking out because because uh, what's his name? Uh, a Cespedes was riding horses at his ranch.
1: Well, in the the Cespedes seat. fell off the horse. This guy was <laughs> wrestling gators. Ended his career. So that I guess that would be an oddball thing to do as well. So remember that spring training where Syndergaard was it? Who's that sh- and Cespedes showed up on horses in spring training in Florida and, and like like what are these guys doing?
0: And he was also affectionately giving the name of a Seuss paw because of how much he drank instead of
1: a South paw. <laughs> but the guy was a hell of a pitcher. He's a Hall of Fame Hall pitcher, of fame,
0: right? That's a wild thing. Is like we we talk about him like he's a joke. He was one of the best pitchers of all
1: time. And like Dizzy Dean, I think he also so Dizzy Dean I guess hurt his toe and then uh, uh, changed his motion, got a sore arm, and was never the same pitcher again and I think Rube Waddle had something similar happen he he got an injury and all of a sudden he lost his mojo he just was never the same right he now. had a, he had like a, a almost like a Kofax stretch of brilliance and then he's pitching back in the teens right a long time ago it's really a long time so uh yeah he he was uh, he was quite something um now what do you know about Marvelous Marv you're a Met fan right if you have yep you've, you've, you've if you've even heard the term Marvelous Marv
0: no, my I, I, I go to think of like, you know, Val Venus from pro wrestling when I hear that.
1: name. <laughs> well, you, you could have said Marvin. So there was a boxer named Marvin Hagler had some great fights back in the 80s and, and he was called Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And he liked that so much that he changed his name legally to Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Marvelous Marv Thornberry, um, and Marvin Eugene Thornberry, was actually a Yankee phenom as a young age and mm-hmm. was supposed to come up and be a home run hitter and power hitter. Uh, but by the time he got to the 62 Mets, he was the guy that really didn't have, you know. A, a I think all you have to say career. is the guy
0: ended up on the 62 Mets. like Played play
1: for Casey Stengel again, who he played for when he was on right, the Yankees. But you it's didn't important. end
0: up on the 62 Mets because you were having a great career at that point.
1: So, you know, and, and he was. A guy who you know was was a terrible fielder I think he had one of the you know the worst you know defensive wars you know ever uh, and he was on that you know team that that Qsey single said you know he, he was for their execution so he was one of those guys <laughs> known
0: for having 17 errors at first base in just 97 games
1: so he, he didn't last long but he was sort of lovable and he hit home runs and the fans liked him because he was kind of a power hitter and he was sort of the embodiment of the 62 Mets futility I, got,
0: I gotta think that any Guy back then that hit more than like fifteen home runs was probably at least a bit of a fan favorite just because nobody did that back then except the superstars. So like if you even showed the flashes of being able to do that, fans would love you.
1: Right, right, and 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 the teammates loved him. Um, but you know on on a team that, that's forty and 120 hundred uh, and twenty, you know he was not even the star player. A guy named Frank Thomas was the star, um, but. But Marv Thunberg was the beloved, you know, embodiment of the sad sack Mets. I, don't, I think he played a, a couple of years, you know, for the Mets uh, before, you know, it, it, he was gone. Um, and, you know, he he just did all kinds of base running mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he got thrown out uh, in, in, in situations that you couldn't even understand. And then he later in life, he got on to and, and my friend Mike Berkman was uh, producing these commercials back in the 80s, the light beer for Miller commercials. Mm-hmm. So if you if you look back in the 80s, like they had these football players, Dick Butkus and Bubba Smith and, and Marv Thornberry was in the commercial. Hey. And, and his only line was, I don't know why I'm in this commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right. <laughs> and that's like Marv, Marvelous Marv. Like, what's he doing then? You know, they had all these other other, yeah, star He's athletes. Right? athletes. And then there's <laughs> this guy that was a player for a Bats Mets team. So that's how people got introduced to Marv. Who, if you weren't from New York, like, who the hell is that guy? Oh, that's Marvelous Marv, who played for the Mets. And so that's how he also, you know, kind of had a second, you know. I, I, uh, I think it's uh, interesting how some notoriety.
0: players can have that like second, you know, rise in notoriety because that happened to another guy in Wade Boggs mm. because. You, I know you don't know this because you don't watch a show, but a few years ago, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, did an episode on Wade Boggs where they tried to complete the Wade Boggs challenge, which is drowning an entire case of beer on a flight from Philadelphia to Tampa.
1: And, of course, if it was Wade Boggs, he would have to eat fried chicken. Right,
0: because he would eat four <laughs> pieces of fried chicken before every game.
1: Every single game.
0: He would take 150 ground balls. No more. No less. Exactly 150. And apparently he
1: was a prolific drinker. <laughs> and and I think he would take batting practice precisely at like 5:07 5:17 5:17 at the same time every day. Now, this is this is a man who's in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, you I mean, know, <laughs> he worked, he hit
0: 328 for his career.
1: 328. Yeah, that that man was an amazing hitter. <laughs> you don't hit that by mistake. So, so yeah, but he had and and they reported that kind of, you know, behavior, this odd behavior that he had while he was playing. We don't Get stuff like that, you know, from guys today.
0: One, I think part of it is this: there, you don't have the reporter following the team in the same way, where those like little nuanced quirks become like a charming part of the season because if the player wants to broadcast that he gets on Twitter or X and does it himself now
1: well I, I was going to say that and and so isn't it' social media is what changes it because the players are in more control of their own image and depiction Where they
0: get to go you know look at LeBron James even though he's not a baseball player that in the entire image he puts out on self media and social media is very very you know, craft, cultivated, yeah, cultivated. He's really trying to put out a particular image, and I think for a lot of players, that's what they're trying to do now because it's how they grow their own personal brand. Right, right. And some guys probably would have had it way easier building their personal brand. You know, a guy like Mark Fidrich.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I wish you'd have seen Fidrich's pitch. You didn't pitch very long,
0: no. But I mean, a, a guy coming out like that
1: who was so good as a rookie.
0: Looking kind of weird
1: and unusual.
0: Oh, he, he had the ex- hair
1: coming out from under the cast. So he had this really yellow, yellow curly, and he was like nineteen or something like that. Six three, gangly. So, the bird. They right. called him because he looked like Big Bird from Sesame Street. That's why they called him the Bird. And he was a great pitcher, but just had a year that that rookie year. I think it was nineteen and nine, and and you feel in bad because injuries are really the reason why his career was derailed. Right, but but he would you know he'd be on the mound, and and he would be talking to the baseball, and you'd see him. Just imagine a pitcher doing this today, like you know, on you know, he walks off the rubber. behind the pitching, going, you know, "Okay, ball. Now you're going to go there, past this guy, and he's not going to hit you at all. He would actually talk." To and the you ball don't think they wouldn't and, make commercials with him doing that today? Oh, uh, uh, right, right. And could you even do that today? Would you be ostracized? I think you know, the
0: problem is, is that too many people would see you doing it as a lark. You know what I mean? Like would, smoothing the mound out, doing all this weird stuff that nobody worked, else did. It worked for him because he was so that was actually him doing it i think it would come off as very forced if you saw a pitcher do that today unless the pitcher already was kind of known as being a bit of an oddball like if like if scherzer all of a sudden stepped off the mound tomorrow turned around and started talking to the ball everybody would be like what the hell is he doing
1: right if he did it all the time yeah right and so and that's the thing about Fidrich, he he was really he had the was the rookie of the year um and and because of that you can do that and be weird when you're excelling at what you're as doing because people will put up with as it you
0: start struggling
1: right right i i I remember watching Rigetti pitch for the Yankees. Uh, I think he was a starter and he gave up a home. And so this is one oddity, right? he he gives us a home run. He gets the ball from the umpire. He turns and he chucks it over the right field fence. (laughs) <laughs> I've never seen and a I'm pitcher sure, do that. In and, sure, and,
0: and I was so impressed because it's so far. Everybody <laughs> like, and people were torn between being impressed and just confused. Like do you give him another ball? What if he just does it again? So, so
1: baseball players do odd stuff like that, but when it's consistent behavior, and so Fidrich, what he was doing was doing this all the time. Right. So it was not. It was, it was like not a sh- just a lark. Not, right. Right. This was his vibe, and and, and he's talking about being an iconoclast, and 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 I'm not getting away with it. Unfortunately, you're right about the injuries, and and uh, you know, it, it's his career was was far too short. Um, and, and when we did our uh, first podcast about oddballs, we talked about Bill Vec, and we're going to do. I'm, I'm reading a Bill Vec. We kind of have to do. Uh, I'm going to do a Bill Vec episode. There are a few
0: people more interesting right, in right, the tapestry right. we of We talk baseball. about him
1: a lot on this podcast, and we've also talked about Charlie Finley a few times on the podcast. No relation to Chuck. Not, not, no, not always um, in the most positive sense. Um, and and I kind of. Remember him for the stupid thing he did in the 1973 World Series, owning the A's um, when Mike Andrews um, made a couple of errors in the series game, and he tried to get him to sign, you know, a release, and Bowie Kuhn stopped that. From from happening from firing essentially the player for making errors in, in the, in the game. middle of a series and then they wouldn't they wouldn't pay him his World Series share because of that I mean just so like, they still I, won I, I just I just feel like Charlie but when I look more at the guy's career he was more of an oddball than a than a than a, a bad person number one he's the guy that came up with the with the colors so remember he owned the A's. From they moved them from Kansas City, right, Philadelphia points. to Kansas City from fifty five to sixty four, and then they moved to Oakland, um, and, moved and, to and, Vegas. and and <laughs> uh, well they haven't done that yet, but yeah, and so the the uniforms right, and when they went to these green and yellow and stuff like no. Body was wearing that kind of stuff. So as a promoter, I probably did an amazing thing because you saw, you knew exactly they who had a brand. brand, right? Right. They had a brand, and and so in that respect, he, as a promoter, he was sort of before his time, and he owned other pro teams. He, I think he owned the Colorado. Rockies before they moved to another thing. that was a Colorado Rockies hockey team. Oh, oh before and they, they became the New Jersey Devils. And but then he, he, and then
0: they brought he, he, back the
1: Avalanche. Maybe it was the Kansas City Scouts. It was yeah. the Kansas City Scouts because he was from Kansas City. That's right. And so you know he owned other teams, but he w- he had the Beatles uh, come to the West Coast. Right, the Beatles in '64 came to Shea Stadium, but he got them to go to Kansas City, and and they played for like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they played, and he wanted them to play longer. They only played a thirty minute set at the time. So like how do you fly all the way to Kansas city to play and play 30 year. minutes out? But that's what the like, Beatles, that's, that's like five songs. They're the baby. freaking Beatles and yeah, they can do it. And they, whatever they, they want, <laughs> and he was trying to convince them. And I think they didn't, they didn't succumb and they did what they wanted to do. They didn't get what he wanted. So Finley was, you know, also the guy who would like try to sell his players along the lines of what Steinbrenner was doing at the time. And when
0: you say sell it, would literally just be like, yeah, I'll give you this guy for like
1: 500,000 yeah, bucks. Yeah. For money, you know? And so he got Bowie Kuhn's best interest of baseball for other things other than just firing Mike at, um, Andrews as a player. So he attempted to sell um, Raleigh Fingers, Hall of Famer, and and a good left fielder, Joe Rudy, to the Red Sox for a million dollars each and Vita Blue to the Yankees for a million and a half dollars. He needed the money, and Bowie Kuhn said no. Right, and
0: I can kind of understand that because you shouldn't be weakening your baseball team because you've made bad business decisions.
1: But as we talked about in our commissioner episode, you know, last night… Would Rob Manfred do anything like that today if 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 Not Steve Cohen decides to sell and eat um, no, Justin Verlander's? Because we contract, watched him do that
0: already. But it, it happens. It was
1: different though. I will say this. It is different because Cohen
0: was getting assets back for his team that can help them in the future. It's really hard to argue that selling the players for cash is doing the same thing.
1: Here's what I'll say about that. I will say that, yes, you can make the argument that they paid for what is premium talent, but they paid a ridiculous premium. That, I'm not disagreeing. That is, that, 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 that is a premium that is far overvalues what the player could almost ever produce. Not disagreeing with that. So so let's be, you but know. But cash is different. Right, right. So I, I you know, I, I think that when you talk about, you know, oddballs, um, there's one other guy who's an oddball just because he's a character. I don't know. He's an oddball because he's odd. So he had his own television show. Mm-hmm. After his after his playing career, he's still around today, and he's still calling games in Milwaukee. And he was a big part of a very famous baseball movie. That's right, right, and that would be Mr. Bob Euchre, Mr. Baseball. Major League is a great movie. <laughs> so, so, and we, I talked about the uh, light beer for Miller commercials with Mark Thornberry. Well, Bob Euchre was in there, and part of that whole vibe there is that you know, you know, he missed the tag, and and Bob Eucher is up in the farthest. Left field, upper deck corner, you Call know, the game. calling the game, sitting alone because there's nobody there. It's an empty stadium, and that's the seat. Good seats. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I must be in the front row. And they walk him all the way up to this seat in the farthest left corner of the stadium. <laughs> oh, James! yeah. He's a bit well, outside. Uh, he's sitting down, and they pick him up, and they make him move. And that's where <laughs> they make him move to. Oh, I must be moving down to. Like so, so his self-deprecation is obviously his vibe. And so he would go on Johnny Carson back in the day. And, you know, I think euchre hit like 204 for his career not great so johnny says major league baseball catcher bob euchre you know welcome to the show yes my record speaks for itself (laughs) (laughs) and 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 so he would just talk about and he's the guy remember the joke i told you about you know when he caught phil negro the knuckleballer he goes well the best way to catch a knuckleball is to wait for it to stop rolling and then pick it up (laughs) (laughs) you can tell this was this man was bored for television right so so he ended up on a show called mr belvedere oh i know that show right so bob euchre was so he was he mr belvedere no, he wasn't. Mr. Was he Bell, the dad? He, he was. Or some other I, principal I, I, character. I, I don't remember. He wasn't Mr. Belvedere. Granted,
0: my only knowledge of Mr. Belvedere is through Family Guy. So we're talking pretty <laughs> limited here. And they're probably making fun of it if there's. <laughs> All I know is Stewie likes it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, and and I think it's just great that guys like Euchre, um, who are a little odd uh, out there, are still calling games. You get to a point where you think, when should the guy stop? Um, but he's still sharp and and fun to listen to. If you listen, if you get a chance to listen to a Brewers broadcast, you will laugh. Uh, I mean, I think I think oddballs and goofinesses. Is
0: such a part of baseball just just one last, like I remember yesterday or watching the Met game Keith forgot his pix 11 shirt He's wearing it so he's got a shirt that says the, the the channel name that they're being broadcast on, but he's wearing one with the wrong name on it. So he puts a piece of duct
1: tape over it and writes
0: pix Eleven over the tag. Oh,
1: he didn't do that. One of the producers but it's on just, the show. It's
0: so perfect. That's just so goofy.
1: well. The best thing is that you know between that you know talk about oddballs because Gary Cohen, who's the other you know uh, SNY announcer and then pix Eleven announcer, you know just gleefully you know, <laughs> just, goes right after Keith. You know he couldn't even like okay they're on the air and today we have an issue. <laughs> I mean like like that welcome to St. Louis right here, like, like, no, they're just <laughs> straight into and we, we have an issue, and Keith and Keith actually said well I'm a dunderhead <laughs> so like not, that no one has used that expression probably in, in 50 years, years. Yeah. exactly like that I'm a dunderhead and it was it was very funny and he's an odd duck too they're both odd ducks and that makes an endearing listen when you're listening to the guy. and the same thing is true of Euchre so um, I, I wish there were more current players that we had sort of more there, understanding of their two idiosyncrasies of them, two of them are going to retire this year and they're going to go into the hall of fame and i
0: truly cannot wait for their hall of fame speeches because zach granky for sure and joey Votto
1: will give you're unbelievable-
0: right. you're right Votto is hilarious
1: you're right they oh zach yankee is pretty funny so, too
0: Granky is one of the funniest <laughs> like cranky is one of the funniest guys ever there's so many there's a great zach granky story where he's standing there talking to one of his teammates his teammates telling the story and zach goes talking about like why people that annoy dogs are really annoying, or something, or people that own cats are right, really right, annoying. Right, and right, he right. goes, "Oh, well, I own a dog. What do you own? I, go, I own a cat." This <laughs> is like, wait, what?
1: Good call on, on both of those guys. And I wonder, you know, they're in their, the end of their careers, um, and and because they've had such great careers, they're idiosyncrasies, their weirdness is is okay now, but when you're in the prime of your career, you really don't want me to know for the weird guy who's really good. You have to just be that much better. Right, right. So you, you got to be careful about how how far you go with that because you don't want to make your teammates feel like you're more interested in being weird than being good. There's kind of
0: like <laughs> a weird good continuum where the better you are, the more people will allow you to they'll, they'll be weird. They'll put up with that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. What's that, the old Manny being Manny? Yeah, exactly. You'll put up
0: with Manny being Manny when he hits 312. You will not be, hit up Manny being Manny when he hits the Mendoza
1: line. Right, right. So uh, we'll, we'll find some more oddballs because it's always fun to talk about these quirky we can, guys.
0: We can find some really hidden ones next time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter, at cool.